0: laughing at me versus laughing with me. So I had a couple of those moments um, going in a corporate America structure. If you don't have a degree, you know, they kind of look at you differently. So I had to overcome that. So I never like to talk. I rarely like to talk about, cómo me you know, and you're actually bringing that out of me because it's a story that needs to be told, because when you hear other people's stories, more people can relate, and it makes it that much easier. So I'm actually uh, shout out to all my viewers. later, they're gonna watch this. They're gonna like, "Yo, shout out to Plural for making our model be vulnerable." Um, but yeah, <laughs> I, I had the complaints. I no education, eh, no, uh, rarely have a filter. Uh, so I had to learn how to adjust that because I knew that at some point when I deal with the CEOs of of Nike or AT and T or you know Apple. I'm gonna have to speak their game too. I got to walk their their streets, just the way I expect people on the streets to, to walk the walk before they come to me. And so it was, I have to accept it and I, and I killed it. And I'm still learning. I still, I'm at 30, 40% where I want to be, but you know, I get to deal with some pretty big cats and I'm very proud of it because I'm not educated, an immigrant kid um, and I'm proud of that, but I'm not complacent. I got to move up. Dímelo mi gente, what up,
1: what up Welcome to another episode of the Quien Tu Eres podcast Brought to you by Plural You already know it's your boy Pavel Bringing you another episode and another special guest The clip you just heard in the intro Was from our conversation with this week's guest Armando Tito Tam Now, before getting into the episode Let's get into a little bit of Armando's bio He is of Chinese Nicaraguan heritage and actually immigrated to the US with his family at a very young age. He watched his mother and father sacrifice and work tirelessly to ensure that their three sons were given an opportunity for a better quality of life. The work ethic that he saw with his parents really inspired this relentless pursuit of his dreams. As a result, he was able to accomplish various things, such as own his own real estate brokerage firm, perform with Will Smith, Yes, you heard that right, (laughs) collaborate with celebrity chefs like Douglas Rodriguez, become part of the leadership team at the National Association of Hispanic Real Estate Professionals, as well as partner in other joint ventures such as Latitude. These days, Armando is currently working on launching Comidaso, which is a business platform showcasing his love and passion for food, wine, culture and business. With that said, let's get into the episode. It's funny, man. I typically start with the same question, but I figured we start a little differently, man. Like, let's start from like the beginning. Like, where did you grow up? Where were you from?
0: Uh, yeah. So you know, I, I was born in Nicaragua. I okay. came here at a young age to the United States. Obviously, you know, in Nicaragua there was turmoil, and my parents came here for a better quality of life. There was the the revolution. The Sandinistas took it over. I think it's important that people understand that you know we came to this country. Not because we didn't like our own country, you know, and so it's really tough for my parents at that age to leave their country, come to the United States, assimilate, uh, and then that's my first generation. So I grew up in the Bay Area. So I, I'm a hardcore Bay Area. People say uh, California. No, Bay Area. That's that, that's like you guys <laughs> be claiming really Los Barrios and the Bronx and, and what have you. We claim the Bay. We're not Southern California. And uh, so, yeah, Chinese Nicaraguan. Both of my grandfathers, Chino, se fueron. Y se casaron con, you know, plantaron bandera in Nicaragua. And that's why I speak Spanish. Uh, English is a second language. I'm a proud ESL alumni. Uh, hey. And that, that, that's me, bro. Armando Tito Tam.
1: Interesting, man. How many people when you got to the Bay? Like, first of all, what was that like when you even got to the Bay? Because that's completely different from, from where you grew up. And then
0: what age did you get here, too? I got here when I was four, four or five uh-huh. years old. Um, it was... I didn't know what anything was other than the fact that, you know, typical Latinos in the eighties, we had multifamilies in the household. So I have my abuela, my tia, my cousins in a three or four bedroom. And I will say that I had a unique experience because obviously I have no accent. So my mother, you know, was an English teacher in Nicaragua. So we come here and uh, you know, my father did some labor and then moved on. But growing up, in a household, you, with multifamilies, you don't really get the experience of growing up on the streets. You know, it, it's like um, Dave Chappelle said it best. I was, I wasn't poor enough to be from the hood, but I definitely knew I wasn't wealthy enough to not be in the hood. And I, and I say that because my surroundings didn't impact me as much as it could have until I got older. So when you're young, you know, you have the love at the house, you go to school, you get made fun of, you know, I don't really dwell on it because I come home to cousins, to tias, to abuelas and, and, and things like that. And remember, my father was a karateka in Nicaragua. So at a young age, I was put in martial arts um, because he wanted his son to be a karateka and defend himself. So I guess I didn't deal with some of the, the hardships that what you experience today, which is very important. Being in an ESL and being tall and being, you know, knowing how to defend myself, I would actually back then defend what I look at now is bullying and borderline racism, you know, um, if you look back at it. But I grew up in a very diverse neighborhood, which was very poor. Uh, next door neighbors were, you know, drug dealers and there were Salvadorians, there was Vietnamese, there was Persians. So it was pretty cool that, you know, 15 years later as an adult, it's not foreign to me to deal with different nationalities. It's not foreign with me to talk to someone to say, you don't know what it is to grow up. Right, we grew up in the same neighborhood. It's just that yeah. I was very fortunate to have multifamily, which now we make fun of Latinos, you know, 10 in a house. And those are the best times of my life.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, not only that, I feel like a lot of times, like you may have like 10 people in your house, but then other people from like Nicaragua may come through. Cause like in my my grandma's house, it's like the hotel. Like it's like the first stop where people come from Dominican Republic just to visit. Sometimes they stay over for like way too long. And then it's like, you gotta give up your room. It's like a whole ordeal.
0: Well, share rooms, man. I had a bunk bed and another bed for three of us in one room with Mike, Michael Jackson 5 posters and Air Jordan. It's like uh, your grandma's house was the original Airbnb before Airbnb <laughs> was capitalized by Los Blancos, you know? So uh, I know exactly what you mean, because when a new member came from the family, they would be at our house. And my mom was like incubating, come here, learn the language, los papeles, and get a job and move on. You know, I got to credit my mom for helping facilitate that to where we're at today you know
1: yeah and let's go back to like that that schooling experience right like this is brand new to you and you're like at such an early age like what were some of those early experiences where you said like you were being made fun of which everyone gets made fun of as a yeah kid?
0: listen uh when you come into this country not through the traditional schooling they put you in esl because you come from another country they don't even check your test <laughs> they don't do that so they put you in esl and what happens is Listen, man, I'm going to be real, but I think it's going to be funny. Uh, they put me in a small yellow bus. You know, we wouldn't come in at 8 o'clock with everybody else, con los blanquitos. We would be, I was like, okay, okay, ESL, okay. Uh, students with different needs. And so we'd show up late. And everyone at that age, when, you, when you're when you the later students, those kids are like, ah, those are like, you know, and they probably would say mean things. Um, yeah. And I won't even name those names because I think they're too fucking ugly. Pero, um that's what it was you know you knew you were always going to be different because you would walk in late even though we weren't different that's just the way society has set you up and so growing up there would be different obviously the language barrier so you know for a couple of years i mispronounced white household names like yosemite i would look at it and be like where's yosemite you know or <laughs> yeah. someone's name is sean s-e-a-n i'm like who's seen and so mm-hmm. you you get laughed at but again i'm very fortunate because what would be looked at as being made fun of, I would go home and I would be making, you know, helping my mom make nakatamales, the masas that she used to make to sell on the weekends. I would be putting karate. Um, I would be listening to my grandma. And so I guess I never had the time to really absorb the potential jabs that society was giving you at that age. But I, I see that it does exist now. And I'm very fortunate because now, there's a lot of single parenting and there's a lot of dual parents that have to work and the kids are have to grow up kind of fencing themselves with society. So I could see that. But for me, gracias a Dios that my parents, man, they, they, they allowed me to protect myself to give myself a thick skin to deal with that. You know, I was an ugly little kid. I had big ears, you know, um, flaco, Chino, you know, I was always taller than everybody. So every time I would go trick or treating with people, my age, they would be like, aren't you too old? Cause you know, I was always the tall kid. Um, they put me in karate, martial arts with my age group, but because I was bigger, you know, I, I would do really good. And i get booed, you know, at seven years old, eight years old, nine years old, getting booed by like a crowd full of people because I would beat up somebody that they thought I was older than, that I was, they were younger than me. So those were the things about as hard as I had to deal with growing up until I became a man, you know?
1: That, bro, that is, shout out to your parents, man, because it takes a certain level of, humility, confidence, like, I I can't think of the word, like, just like calmness for you to like hear all these things. And then just remember, like, yo, I got so much love at home. Like, I don't care about any of this, man. Like, what were some of the things that they taught you that just like, got that into you so early?
0: Well, so my mother, when I used to get in trouble, she wouldn't hit me, she'd make me write sentences. Right. So yeah, so that's how I became kind of financially literate. Um my father was about defending yourself. So I got lucky that you know I was a really good basketball player. You know, I wanted to compete. I love hoops. Uh, I'm getting in, I'm launching a sports agency. Um, and you and I talked about that. But it, my father never went to that stuff. So my father was a father, he wasn't my best friend. You know, mm-hmm. my father was like, Vos son un caballero, son un macho, son un hombre, no seas payaso, you know. And then my mother would be like, Mm, I'm not going to cut you any breaks either. You know, you're going to have rules. You want allowance, you better start doing some chores. Um, So it never was like, I always say that the best mentors are not the ones that talk to you, are the ones that you're able to spend time with and see how they do it. You know, my mother was busy. She was an executive. She had gone to college and she also had another business. You know, it wasn't that, I think it's because they're always were hardworking folks. They had a goal to to you know, assimilate in this country to raise us and to be financially uh, you know, fit. You know, and my father, same thing. My father didn't have the education as my mother, but she, he had the same work ethic. So I just think that if if you spend time with people, you become, you know, a, an average of who they are. And mm-hmm. I always saw that. It wasn't until my older years that my dad would would say his philosophy, but if I were to ask him Papi, demon conseil for that, he would look at me like <laughs> you should know better, you know, kind of mm-hmm. like, we're not, we don't have that relationship, kid. Don't, don't think I'm going to mentor you, you know, but he led by example. My, my dad's an OG. Um, Karateka didn't finish school, was the baddest in the neighborhood, but he never told me that. It was always his friends when we go visit Nicaragua. And I'm like, my dad will always tell me, I don't care how much money you make. I don't care what you do. I you know, and I, that's like the best piece of advice my dad ever gives me. That I still get emotional because, you know, you know me, I'm trying to strive to do this and, and, and do it for the peoples. My dad's just like, whatever you achieve that, I can say, you know, um, just because I guess I had, I didn't fail for a long time. And so that's built up success, which ultimately is a, is, a, is a setback because when you want to launch something new because you don't have the failure, that fear of failure will always linger. You know, so so yeah, nothing hijo esto, or write a book. Nah, it was just watching my mom and that. My mom was, listen, my mom was the the epitome of sometimes the king is a wimp man. You know, yeah. when I had cancer surgery, I came down. I remember I thought my mom was gonna cry. She wasn't crying. You know, and um, she was just, and I, and I thought, oh, I'm a kid, so I'm like, how come my mom's not crying? Does she not love me? So I was the the wimp, but my mother was. Fuerte, you know and and I don't know where she got that from but to this day she's one of the strongest people I know.
1: Wow that reminds me well first of all it's so interesting that you said humble because I said humble like even before I knew like anything that your like your dad taught you but you could just tell in those stories how humble you were as a kid and it's crazy because I think of my mom the same way Um, not that she was like any you know executive or any sort of like um, I don't think she achieved like the same level of success that your mom did but as far as being that role model from like, um, for example, like I've never seen my mom cry ever. And yeah. like, even, even when her mom, even when her father passed away, didn't hear her cry. And like part of me thinks it's like her not trying to show me that side of herself and like her just trying to continue showing me that like, cause I didn't have a father in, in my life growing up. So I feel like in many ways she tried to like play both roles. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it just made me think
0: about her. She, she did a good job. Listen, you're one of the brightest people I've met, and, uh, you know, if you and I would have met 10, 15 years ago, we could have even changed the game even more. So, you got, shout out to your mom for that, because she had to play both roles. You know, I see my mom, I haven't even seen my mom cry. I heard her cry one time when her sister passed my media, but this, let me tell you, my mom, hey, that's why I said, the king is sometimes a woman, is one of the quotes that I think of your mother, and I think of my mom.
1: Yeah, shout out to that man. And it sounds like when you came home to all this love, like there were so many different things going on, right, and it's so interesting because um I was telling my boy about you, and I was like he was like, "Oh, what does he do?" and I was like, yo, honestly I have no fucking clue man. You go to his page and there's like literally a thousand things from him to, from him at a wine distributor to him cooking to him on stage presenting and I'm just like, yo what who to him like with will Smith I'm just like, who is this he's like the Dos Equis guy I'm just, <laughs> <laughs> but know, it's interesting like when you were talking about like growing up, you said like your mom was it was it was it was, it was this executive, but she was also like really into the kitchen as well, right? And I know like culinary is such a big had such a big impact in your life. But just like when you were growing up and you thought about like your future, like what were you thinking at the time?
0: I was always taught to, you know, make uh, money. Right, and, and it's not that you're chasing the money. It wasn't that. It was just through hard work. So again, my dad had an eight to five, and he had a contracting gig on the side that he has own company. Um, and he didn't tell me, hey, I'm making good money. It wasn't until I got older that he's like, hey, we're retiring. Here's our, you know, our assets and our estate planning, right? Which is an uncomfortable conversation for Latinos. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, if I were to pass, este es lo que va a pasar. And I hated that shit. I still have that email, I haven't even opened. It. Same thing with my mom. She worked in the insurance industry as an executive, and then she had her catering business. So growing up, I would work the eight to five. I would go to college, and then I would have a side hustle. I used to run nightclubs. I used to do, teach salsa lessons, you know. And I remember going into, like, you know, how you inspire me a lot. Going to corporate America, sometimes when people, they want your, your best performance, your best output, and they see you doing other things, and they don't think you're committed And I remember I had to tell one of my bosses at the time, who's now one of my mentors, my brothers, and sometimes in some businesses, he's my partner. I said, it's not that I'm not committed. It's that I've always been raised to have two or three different things because you got to save to make a living. You got to save for a rainy day and you got to save for building wealth. Now that I think is a missing link that we have to bring back in today's society. It's a mentality that, Hey, you got to work now. We have social media now we didn't have back then. So I probably would have gotten distracted. So I think that the social media today, we have to learn how to use. What's your favorite uh, dish? My favorite dish? I'm gonna yeah. go straight to dessert, Tres Leches. Okay, now, social media is like Tres Leches. If you eat that shit every day, it's not healthy. So we have to learn how to moderate social media to make it jive with our, you know, ourselves. And, and so anyway, so that's what it was. As a young age, I saw my parents do that. And I always wanted to do that because I was able to make a living, to pay the bills, to travel, to the fashion that I like. And, um, and it's because of that mentality. You know, Even if you've got a full-time gig, um, you, you should press on because when you retire, you've you got to have something to do. You know? And so at a young age, that's what it was.
1: Yeah. And it sounded like there was some clash as far as some of those early experiences uh, when you were thinking about your identity and what you wanted to do and specifically in corporate America, like what was that like experience wise?
0: So I went from an entrepreneur or, you know, having my own businesses to now adjusting to the corporate and moving up that ladder for two reasons. One, you want to grow as a person. So like one of the things like I absorbed from you is working that corporate ladder. Because there are different things. There is a different behavior. There is a different tone. I'm 6'3, you know, two twenty, And uh allow, and again, my personality that you see on the internet is not always th- who I am. Like I, I'm actually an introvert, but people are like, nah, man, nah, you're not. And I'm like, you don't understand. What I do is 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 my job. It's not I didn't know who, that. Oh yeah, no, I'm an introvert. But but someone someone said to me the other day, I believe you're an introvert even though 99% don't believe you're an introvert, it's because the content you're choosing to create is a different persona. I love cooking, but I have to do it because I have to be in front of the camera now because for so long, the, the people didn't make an impact that it should have, you know, and so agencies are telling me, yo, you got to do it. You, you feel comfortable. I feel comfortable because I wanted to produce 20 rock stars. So that's why I'm doing more of that. But going into corporate America, back to the original question, I had to learn that. Hey, listen, there was complaints to HR. You know, there was laughing at me versus laughing with me. So I had a couple of those moments. Um, Going into corporate America structure, if you don't have a degree, you know, they kind of look at you differently. So I had to overcome that. So I never like to talk. I rarely like to talk about cómo me jodieron you know, and you're actually bringing that out of me because it's a story that needs to be told because mm-hmm. when you hear other people's stories, more people can relate and it makes it that much easier. So I'm actually, uh, shout out to all my viewers later, they're going to watch this. They're gonna like, yo, shout out to Plural for making Armando be vulnerable. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I, I had the complaints. I no education, uh, no, uh, rarely have a filter. Uh, so I had to learn how to adjust that because I knew that at some point when I deal with the CEOs of, of Nike or AT&T or, you know, Apple, I'm going to have to speak their game too. I got to mm-hmm. walk their, their streets just the way I expect people on the streets to, to walk the walk before they come to me. And so it was, I have to accept it and I, and I killed it and I'm still learning. I still, I'm at 30, 40% where I want to be. But you know, I get to deal with some pretty big cats, and I'm very proud of because I'm not educated, an immigrant kid. Um, and I'm proud of that, but I'm not complacent, I gotta move up.
1: Yeah, it's so weird too because, and I've heard that, I've heard that I don't know if you classify it as an insecurity, but other guests have um mentioned that as an insecurity. Like, um, I'm forgetting the 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 guest name, but she didn't have a college degree, and she said, like, yeah, for till this day, like, she's still so insecure about it, but. She's even at the point where she's a manager, but still, although she's accomplished so many things, it's still one of those things that is not like, it's sort of like a a qualifier in her head that is sort of like a status. But it's so interesting too, because if you look at certain industries, like a lot, like (laughs) white males get glorified if they drop out of school. They're like college dropout that then built XYZ company. It's not like that's the headline. You know what I mean? And for us, it's, we don't get more You were, expect, we you get, we were expected get, to fail.
0: You were expected to fail. So you're, you're playing. Like, I, I will say this. How do you overcome get insecurity? You get
1: penalized for it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, status quo. I, I will say this though. Um, uh, the way to overcome insecurity is by preparing yourself and performing. And I didn't know that. So it's not like I know it all, but I've been mm-hmm. through that. Right, So when I talk to an executive now who wants to get into the hispanic market or the the u s latino market, <laughs> because I have the corporate talk, because I have the case studies of how others have failed, it now gives me that equity to say, okay, Armando's got the street cred because I've prepared myself, I actually have to you know when I speak to people executives, I still write bullet points and I make sure I don't use the but and uh and uh." And I made sure that whatever I'm gonna recommend, I've got facts to back it up. So that's how I learned to overcome insecurity. Um, and I, listen, my first insecure moment wasn't even corporate America. That, that's just annoyance that people look at you like you're dumb. But because I have the yeah. self confidence, I was like bouncing it off. Okay, I'm gonna beat you at your game. I'm not gonna be this emotional Latino and come at you because you're looking down at me because you went to Berkeley and I didn't, you know? Yeah so that that that's something there because that's my new but the biggest uh, moment i have i interviewed the former uh secretary of hud kitchen cabinet for for bill clinton henry cisneros mm-hmm. he was on um latino uh the, the latino uh stuff um on hbo he is one of the most prominent businessmen in the country uh obviously educated you know um and I remember right there, oh, Latino, lives, that's what it was. And I remember, all right, I can't go in there looking, you know, like, well, you you actually bring out the reality. And I was like, I couldn't go in there who I was. I was actually seeing if he would approve of me, you know, because after our first interaction, you and I, I was like, when did I feel that way? And I had to dig deep. And it was that. I remember I had to go in with the solid Navy. I had to go with the herringbone, you know, suit. Because solid Navy. Yeah, Solid Navy Pants. You you the pictures on my Instagram. Um, herringbone, I might put it now, Fast Black Fire, because you, Herringbone Brioni, because if he asked me a question, you know, I can't be rocking a, an express suit. Um, and I had to <laughs> have done research on him. Because, you know, for you're in D.C., right? So it'd be if I'm yeah. at the NBA pre-draft, you know, ceremony, yeah, you got to look cool. But, you know, I remember that. I used to wear, a le- right now I'm wearing a Roley, diamonds. To that, leather band. And then... I had to make sure I knew a little bit about him because I didn't go to college. If he's going to go somewhere, I'm going to shift him over for this. And it was a great interview because at the end of the interview, he said two things. He says, one, I really enjoyed this interview um, more than others. And I want to be as cool as you one day so I can pull off wearing those socks. The only thing I jacked up on, I had bright socks. But Henry had said that. And, you know, at the time, Henry Cisneros, he still is a powerful Latino leader, but I, I kind of was like, Whoa. if I can get that kind of, you know, attention from him, you know, or feedback, then I'm doing something good. But yeah, there was a lot for every one success story. There's 10 others that you've made me reflect like, OK, that was uh, probably looking at me like I was ignorant. That was probably some mm-hmm. racist shit that they were looking at me. And that was probably some like you said, white people, they quit college, they get glorified. us. It's like, boom, you know, so, so you made me reflect on that and, uh, and that's the story right there.
1: Yeah. Now that validation is sometimes like what we need to, to feel the confidence from whoever it is.
0: You need that. You need that, you know, absolutely.
1: And what, it's so interesting too, because, um, like people talk about college, like it's the easiest thing to get into and also pay for bro. That shit is so expensive. The only reason I went to the school that I did is because I got a scholarship for it. The only reason I got a scholarship for it is because my mom didn't make any money. But, okay. like, l- looking back, I always think about, like, what if I have kids and, like, what I want them to go to college and, like, what does that plan even look like?
0: I don't oh, know, you, man. Yeah, you, like, you, it's you, so you, you,
1: expensive.
0: But you said it right there. What does that plan even look like? You know, mm-hmm. looking at it now, yeah you go to college unless you're prepared with a plan and your parents like it was really tough mm-hmm. because your mom was first generation and so was my parents so they're not going to say hijo go to college for this because when you get out it's an industry you can make 150 200 dollars starting and they don't even do it in college listen i ha- i'm half chinese one of the dopest shit is i learned from the chinese people right so my cousin <laughs> my cousin you berkeley stanford you know, enterprise with, with Bill Gates, all this kind of stuff. And they, they said this at, at one point, I said, Tito, we admire you. I said, I admire you guys. You know, you guys are smart. Went to college, whatever. My mom still holds that against me. I didn't go to college. And they said, here's what college doesn't teach you. College doesn't teach you the ability to change. Mm-hmm. You can have all that money, what you just said in debt, three years into your career that you didn't know you may not like it. Now you've got debt and you've got the pressure and how do you change? I'm not knocking college, my kids are gonna to go to college, but I'm gonna have a plan because of what you just said right there. You're gonna to go to college, perfect. You can minor whatever the hell you wanna do, happiness. But let's go interview 20 people that you kind of admire and let's see what college they went to and what topics they went. You know, because there's, it's worth that risk. When you're studying in law, you know, you could become a, a commentator on, on politics because there's no Latinos commentating on CNN or Fox, que no sean you know, and and you can have your own firm you can represent athletes. No one's telling our people that, you know, as an example, you know, if you're going to go to college, go for something. If you're going to go to college for culinary school, perfect. Let me have a plan. Let me interview some chefs that are making half a million bucks, you know, because I think that's what we're going to have to do for our youth.
1: Yeah, 100%. I didn't have that guidance going into it. I mean, similar to you when you would, when I asked you, like, what did you want to do when you grew up? Essentially, you were like, make money. I said the same thing. I was like, literally, what can I study to go make money? I didn't think about like what I was interested in because I didn't have that luxury. Like, why did you think like I... that?
0: Why did you think like that, make money?
1: Because I didn't want to keep living in the projects like I grew up.
0: <laughs> and, and, and I think, and I'll give you props because that necessity, that desire is what established. That. So you're very fortunate to have thought like that. And that's why your listeners should be listening to that because if you lead in today with wanting to make money, it's like we're looked down upon. Yeah. You know? And the money is not to make money, it's to have options, it's to progress. Mm -hmm. It's like the relay of life. Like your parents came from DR, my parents came from Nicaragua, not to be in the same situation. Why are you Mm -hmm. gonna work so hard that they sacrifice that for you to be in the same situation? They didn't come here for that. You know? But that's one thing our Latino community I want is for them to start saying, I wanna make money and I wanna make change. And if I can make money and create change and impact at the same time, man, you could die tomorrow, a leader and not having to you know, get shot or die. Like most leaders, they they become leaders when they die. Right. When they get shot. Like, I don't yeah. want to be a legend like Biggie but, uh, shot. Let me just be a legend living legend. Yeah.
1: I think that, yeah, for me, like money isn't just about like having shit in the bank account for me. It's like for me, money equals opportunities and freedom, not only for me, but for for people around me. And it's so interesting, too, man. You mentioned like for every one positive incident, as far as like that interview example where you killed it, like there are potentially not so positive incidents, you know what I mean? Like any any of those incidents come to mind that really like shaped your perception of what like corporate America could be like?
0: You know, it, it's, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll tell you the look, man. I think Dave Chappelle hit on the money when he said he quit, he took a time off from, from comedy. He says, the moment I saw a room laughing at me versus laughing with me, he stopped. And he gave those people the power for him to stop. And he benefited, he, and thankfully for people like you and I that he got back on track because I look at those models for me because I know I'm going to get hit. You know, not, life isn't perfect. But several instances is when I'm in an executive room and I get and I feel like I'll I'll say something or it could be predetermined in their mind because I don't go to college. I don't bring in what the other people. I always tell people, be the brokest and dumbest in the room. And sometimes it's a big knockout for me because I see the look they give me sometimes. You know, I see the look they give me like this kid's from the hood or this guy is. I don't know if I'd have them talking to, you know, the CEO of, you know, Nike, whatever. And I think that two or, three instances, two or three instances in my life, and luckily I took it like, you know what, how could I have done better? I wasn't angry. I can't change them, but I can change my outcome. But I remember being in those boardrooms and just kind of like, what? Do you even belong? How are you even in here? You know, and I have to remind myself there's a reason why I'm there. You know, like I said, I've had a... <laughs> It wasn't this instant, but it's the kind of level because I want people to understand, like, I'll be in a room with Robert Rodriguez, uh, a CEO uh, that is the first Latino CEO for Fortune 400 international companies. One of the most influential CEOs in housing, Zoe Saldana, and a bunch of L.A. agencies, you know, and um, that's the kind of stuff that I've been very fortunate to learn from to create my opportunity and to never let it get to my head. You know and so I do have that kind of pressure I don't have the luxury to be the the tallest midget in the room but uh, and even then like compliments I thank you and I move on I think compliments is actually your biggest uh, setback for keeping on learning you know so you know Henry Cisneros to Hollywood to to dealing with I didn't go to college I got to deal with attorneys now when I'm doing these deals with athletes I have to deal with attorneys, man. And you think attorneys look at you the same way if you're not an attorney? Nah. Negotiating? I'm a 15, 20-year veteran G in real estate negotiation. That don't mean shit when you have some kid, you know, from some Ivy League school who became an attorney, who's now an agent, and you got to deal with them. I know negotiation. I know sales. I know the business. I know what you know, plural, the communication to the U.S. Latino market. don't matter if you don't have that law degree in their eyes. And I have to overcome that. And I and I I give that analogy as like a heavy a heavyweight fight to be Mike Tyson, Evander Holyfield. Evander didn't knock him out. Evander had to lose the majority of the rounds to tire out Mike Tyson. And that's the way I look at when I talk to an executive that is pounding me down or an attorney that's pounding me down because I've got to get that net result and get that contract, get that deal, get that win. It's mentally. Blog uh challenging and unfortunately i fucking love the i love i love the uh the energy i love it. what do you call that yeah. anyways i love that
1: yeah no that's really interesting man It's it's so interesting too because some people think that it's just about like things being said to us right but in your case like it could just be a look that you can't really explain Oh, yeah. And sometimes, like, for me, I've had that look, and I'm just like, yo, am I crazy? Am I going crazy? Is he giving me that look?
0: hundred percent. But you, I, but you, you know you, what it is. You're a younger version of me. That It's never someone says anything, because let's face it, I also have the corporate etiquette. and um, But it's the look that they give you could be worse than the things they say to you. Yeah. It, it's like the disappointment your parents will give you, right? Your dad doesn't have to say, oh, you know, so your mom can say, <laughs> Oye. it's that look of disappointment. That hurts but a look of being looked down upon that could really set someone back, you know? And, and so I've learned, you know, I researched you a lot and I admire everything you've done through corporate America, relevant America, you know? Um, and, and I know there's a lot to learn just yesterday. I was talking to this young kid who used to work and manage, you know, VCs and hedge fund Latino. He's like, I made them a lot of money. Now I'm going to start my own. And, uh, you know, again, the resources, you know, I always told you by your agency and, uh, And what I have with corporates and then you got VCs and and you get all those having dinner, man, having some mangu and and morir soñando. It's a wrap.
1: (laughs) Facts, man. (laughs) Culture, food brings everybody together, man. And it's I love to ask, man, because it sounds like, you know, you experienced that for a while, positive, negative experiences. But then it sounds like you pivoted to do more of some of the things that you really enjoyed or some passion projects. And is is that correct?
0: you you're 100% on the money. I've never really opened up to people um just because that's actually my downfall, right? But recently, you know, hanging out with you and stuff, that's, that's that's correct. So, I've been in an industry where I, you know, real estate and making money and investing in businesses that weren't so much passions of mine because it's what they provided for me, you know, a good living to be able to travel, my hobbies, all that stuff. But as I get older, If I die tomorrow, I want to do what I love to do. So I'm going to take what I've learned here and apply it to the cultural part, you know? And, you know, I used to be coined, hey, Armando's like the king of all things Latino. You know, Mm -hmm. because if you're going to get into sales, get into real estate. It's the highest, highest ticketed revenue that you can do legally, right? So you build that. But being a realtor is not really sexy, right? You got to go out there and you got to give up weekends and what have you, you got to make a lot of money and you got to build a team, you got to build a company. And then what do you got? You're going to have a family, you're going to have partners. What do, you, what, do you, what do you love to do? Because if you just work the rest of your life, you're going to let life pass you by. So I've taken 15, 20 years of how I've scaled those businesses and now I'm dabbing into things that I love. Um, I'm, la- you know, we're launching a sports agency with two partners of mine representing majority Latino American talent. So the picture you saw on my IG recently, those kids are going to be D1 or future NBA draft picks, and those those kids are 16, 15 years old. They don't really speak English. Like, like literally, they come from Panama, Colombia, Mexico, and I'm like, okay, I'm passionate. I love basketball, but if I didn't love basketball, I love the fact that we can rewrite the narrative for Latinos in America, even if they don't make it to, you know, MJ or LeBron status, they're going to be an MJ or or LeBron back in their family, in in their country. That is a third world country, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, Comidazo, obviously, you know, that's my passion, Uh, food and music, uh, upscale again, rewriting the narrative, um, and showcasing chefs and winemakers of color. Um, because it's usually they're there to check the box. You you know that, right? They check the box and shit. I want to be main stage and I want to change these people's lives because they're just as talented. Every high-end restaurant in America will have a 90% staff Latinos, you know? So why put them in the back? And it creates Mm -hmm. opportunity for a better quality of life for them. So uh, the podcast, people like you, man, I saw you. I was like, okay, okay. Cause I knew through corporate all the money that, I've seen some people spend on agencies that didn't work because they thought connecting with Latinos was translating, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I could say that because you are an agency, but I dealt with 12 agencies to pitch us. And I'm like, that's whack dog, but they have something you and I want to get the funding, the, you know, the structure. Uh, and so I want to learn from that as much as I discredit them. No, I appreciate them. Cause I learn so that we can make a winning formula from what they continue to fail. And they're going to continue to fail because the face of Latinos is like what you and I look like. You know, I mean, so that's, I heard-
1: yeah. Go ahead. Now I was gonna say, that's, that's a lot of what I'm doing. I mean, I love a lot of the places that I have worked, but at the end of the day, like I want to take those learnings and apply it to my own things and my own businesses in the future, man. And- I
0: told you, you could, I told you, you could have the baddest agency out there because you, you're a smart dude. You know how to communicate. Now we just got to get you in front of those big companies. Because they want to spend money on the U.S. Latino market, but they don't—they don't know. Like, okay, we're in Miami, so we're gonna put Pitbull. Oh, you're in Mexico, mm-hmm. so we'll get. I mean, I'm like, come on, bro. You know, go on your playlist. That tells you a lot. You know, go on your someone's social media. That tells you a lot about who you are. And so you—you—you you, you have an opportunity. I was telling people about your art. I said, Yo, I'm gonna get this artist. I want to get him down to Comidasso, because I think in society you made me—you made me look smarter. I was like, in society, people want to look a certain way. I go, this kid does art where how would you look like if you didn't have that wall to be validated by you have AOC with braids you got the the, the supreme Puerto Supremo with my you know Sonia Sotomayor uh, some of the bearded yanks and they were like yo that's deep I said exactly but we have to promote ourselves and I don't want to be like the people like oh we got support no you you got talent so we have to put it out because I want to rewrite the way people look at Latinos today I don't call it no Latinos Los Latinos de hoy, this is who we are. You know? This is who we are. I, those kids, Panama, Colombia, what do you listen to? Rap, Drake. Okay, yeah. cool. It, it, just because they're, you're not going to listen to Valladol because you're from Colombia, you know? And that's the way agencies think. Oh, let's put on the color. Let's put on the, you know, the fucking Grupo Nietzsche and shit. Or Guayacan. No, these kids. And so you can learn a lot by just listening. And agencies don't do that.
1: Nah, 100%, man. Um, first of all, I appreciate that. And I just want to be clear that I did not pay you to say that about me. Cause that Damn was, bro. that was beautiful. No,
0: game recognized. Look, I'm from the <laughs> Bay game recognized. game.
1: <laughs> no, I appreciate that, man. Um, and it's so interesting too, man, because you're at a point where you are doing a lot of the same project. I'm, I'm doing, doing a lot of projects that you're like really passionate about. And you've, you, I feel like you're coming into like your more authentic self, but at the same time, like I'm wondering, you know, at the same time, like you still meet with some of these executives, but now it's on your own terms. But do you still feel that sense of insecurity and a little
0: bit of self-doubt? Well, I'm older than you. I'm older than you. So I have probably 15 years of experience. Um, There will always be that. There will always be, okay, yeah, there will always be that. Um, I laugh because, again, I've never had a stranger just really kind of know a lot about me the way you do. Um, (laughs) So one, I'm older, so I'm going to have less. Two, it's going to exist. So I'm going to to give you a specific example. If anything, that we've learned from Donald Trump is to be more informed. So now I've got to be some kid from Nicaragua, sin colegio, that was in real estate, that performed in entertainment. I didn't go to have a law degree. Now I actually do. If I want to rewrite the narrative, I've got to be relevant in sports, in food, in music, in culture, and Fucking politics. So when I'm dealing with a sitting senator or congressman, I'm going to have to deal with the same looking it down upon, right? So I am still feeling insecure as to what you say. But what I said in the beginning of the show is I overcome insecurity by preparation, by doing research. You know, if I'm going to sit with, uh, you know, I've had uh, a Zoom with a uh, senator Art of Connecticut, man, Rosenblum, shout out to him. Listen, he's active. He's one, of the fir- he's one of the first to stop the whole soliciting of sex trafficking on Craigslist. You know, he was the first one to kind of sue, um, you know, a lot of the social media that would fringe upon people of color. I had that information, so it helped me prep to develop a good product, but now an existing relationship. Because, and, and so that's, that's a specific example. Um, so I have to... Yeah deal with congressman and in, in, in the in the senators and and so those insecurities still come by those are all former attorneys again maybe it's the attorney shit um, but it's <laughs> former attorneys uh, you know so yeah I still deal with the insecurity but remember everyone watching this show the way you over you know overcome insecurity preparation and be ready to get knocked down so you know it won't happen again you know so yeah, yeah. senators there's only a hundred in the country I've probably interviewed two or three but All three of them have said, let's get Armando to help us put together a business roundtable for the community. I probably interviewed or broke bread with uh, a dozen congressmen and congresswomen all game. So I'm just building momentum, right? Building momentum because I have to grow. If we're going to rewrite the narrative, if I'm going to sit across with you, you know, we're going to hang out with the CEO of uh, Walmart or Target, we have to say, uh, yeah, we don't just come from the cultural piece, we come from policy piece we come from the entertainment piece we come from the youth you know the the, the most powerful thing about latino que somos los majores, and we're growing much faster and um you know with with streaming with spotify it's just made us more cool and so we have to be ready we're going to become yeah. cool we got to be intelligent too don't act the fool you know and and so that's why i love being in the game with you now um, and folks like you Or because i was before i was behind the scenes producing, now I, I gotta get out of my shell. And I gotta be open to criticism, bro. I, sometimes I get shit like, you know, when I got in front of like, I was gonna call you the other day, I was like, yo, damn, this person went off on me. But you got you gotta, you can't, you gotta let it flow, people are like that.
1: Yeah, that's the, I think that's an important message that I'm glad you mentioned is that this shit is gonna keep happening, you know what I mean? Like, people are gonna continue looking down upon us, but what you said, which was really important is like, I can't control how other people react. Like, I can only control how I come to the table and like, my authenticity and it's so interesting when i think about like who you are and who you've been like explaining about yourself like some of these like early early things in childhood like still remain in you but so many things about you and your childhood or like even you in those first corporate america spaces have changed you know what i mean like some things still remain but some things have changed like when you think about authenticity and like your authentic self like how would you describe it what comes to mind for you
0: well i I got lucky one i want to say that I'm always going to have that insecure, that anger, right? But I've channeled that anger to create change, to create a movement, right? So be the master of filling in the blanks is what I heard yesterday, right? So I use anger instead of being mad and going on social media and complaining. I'm like, all right, how do I fix this shit for myself? So I don't become a victim, you know, myself. Number two I got very lucky. Shout out to my my brother and mentor, um, you know, and partner in certain things, Gary Acosta. I was very fortunate to find a Latino from East LA who was a chemist major, so he's a nerd, but was awesome at hoops. And then he created the largest business trade association for Latinos, and he took a liking to me. He didn't judge me, and he would always tell me, "Listen, you're always 99% of your ideas are going to get turned down. You think." You think Apple took Dr. Dre's first idea? You think Jay-Z gets everything said yes to him? He sits in a in a room, let's face it, full of Jews, non-blacks, to tell him he's wrong. But it's that one idea that makes him great. And so he really trained that mentality in me. And, and, and I developed a good relationship with him where, where he would tell me, You fucked up. And I have to learn how to get past that. You know, and so I think that's kind of like what I want to answer in that question you gave me is that. Sometimes you just have to embrace the, the, the things that God puts in front of you and, and learn a lot because He really shaped me into the business kind of my mentality that I am, and now I want to scale it. You know I want to scale it because of the way you and I grew up, and casa, you know el barrio, you know, lower income, and uh, we have a responsibility that whether we like it or not, that's what has been given on folks like you and myself.
1: Yeah. And when you think about continuing to scale that, like what's one thing that continues to empower and inspire you to do that and continue being yourself.
0: Um, merit execution goals achieved. Right. So, um, you know, I didn't go to culinary school. So if I the first year I, I did pop ups, I sold out because it wasn't that I was good. I want to see if the market was willing to say that. So when I deal with, say, say you and I deal with Nestle, yeah, I did nine pop ups. Where'd you do the pop ups? Were they friends? No, nope, it was the largest food towns in the country. So that means people were willing to pay for me, right? Uh, number two, I've now have it in my radar to be real uh, and as close to myself without, it, it, like you said, being authentic sometimes people like my friend earlier I'm a rebel don't why are you giving yourself credit for something that, that's rebellious be, t- give yourself credit after you achieved a multi-million dollar company and you did it your own way you know um, Jay-Z can walk he, he, he knew success when he can walk into any room as himself and so I try to be like that and the way you do it because you're not gonna imagine if you went to Facebook or your employer the way you dress, you know, at the Puerto Rican Day Parade, <laughs> it just doesn't work, right? So I'm not saying go crazy. What I'm saying is put yourself in a situation where you you you're doing business in the realm of who you are, because it makes it easier. Sports, I'm already a sneakerhead, you know. Uh, Latino world, shit, I'm Latino as fuck, right? Latino AF. Um, food and music. I love it, man. So I don't need to be something I'm not. Now, if I want to go open up, you know, a CPA firm, it's a little different. It's not me. I'd be insecure, you know? So I think the way you overcome that, and if you're a kid, listen, there's no, I'm going to say this. That there is so much opportunity. You can start uh, an apparel company. You could put a store on Amazon. You could do the food game and scale it. Listen, just because it's, you're selling fresh to your complex who cares what you're selling if you're making five six thousand dollars a month on the side that's seventy five thousand dollars a year and guess what happens then you open a brick and mortar so there's so much opportunity in the comfort zone of what people want and I think it just takes time to disconnect and say what am I good at not what do I want to do what am I good at what am I great at because then you'll never work another day in your life yeah you know Because if you love it, you won't quit. If you don't love it, then you're stupid to stay and something's not working.
1: Yeah.